This is Radio Maria and this is Vocations. Allowing God's Word to speak to your heart and let that lead you. That is discernment. That is discernment. And Ben Gray from the Wellspring Community in Brighton has been sharing with us all about that discernment, vocations. Ben, as we start off, could you share with me uh, your name and what? Uh, where do you come from? Uh, so my name is Ben Gray. Um, I'm currently living in Brighton and I'm um, part of a community called the Wellspring Community. And what is a vocation to you, Ben? I think vocation is a is an absolutely amazing word and a great concept. I remember a number of years ago um, being at Worth Abbey and the then abbot um, of the time giving, um, uh, giving an absolutely great teaching on vocation. And what he, what he really did for me was to shift my perspective from vocation being just to do with becoming a priest or a nun um, and really open it out, give a much broader, much more 360 um, kind of view and understanding of it. And, um, and what, you know, what I really remember from that was this, this idea that uh, vocation, so the, the Latin root of it um, is vocare, uh, which means to call. So there's this real sense of God calling. And it's not necessarily um, that it's not that vocation is necessarily first and foremost an invitation to become something or to do something. Um, it's actually to commune with God. It's to be with God. You know, our ultimate calling, our ultimate vocation is, is eternal union with God in heaven. Uh, that's where we're heading. That's where we're going. And so then everything else fits into that trajectory, that direction um, that we're going in. And I remember, I remember particularly in that talk that he broke vocation down into three, three layers. Um, and it, he said that um, the vocation that every single baptized Christian has is the, is the vocation of holiness, the call to become a saint and to become like Jesus. Um, and in that, what, what happens is we become who we really are, who we're really being called to be. So, and then he said, yeah, and then you've got your state of life vocation. So do I become a monk, a nun, a priest? Do I get married? Am I called to be consecrated single um, or whatever? Um, and that's kind of like the context within which that journey of becoming fully the person that God has called me to become, that is to become a saint, um, that's the context within which it happens. And then sort of the third layer down, he says, you've got this day-to-day -day, um, experience. Um, so for a lay person, you know, that's the job that you're doing. That's, you know, in that particular season. And then maybe God calls you to do something different. And uh, for someone who's consecrated, obviously, you know, that's integrated into um, the state of life. But even within that, there might be times and seasons where you know, you're called to be a prioress um, or an abbess, or you're called to take, you know, to take on particular roles. Um, but I think really at the heart of it, um, I, I really love uh, John Paul II um, on vocation um, because he said, and I think it's quoted in the catechism as well, um, that love is the fundamental and innate vocation of the human person. And if God is love um, and we are made in the image of God, then we are made to love because we are made to be with him and to be like him. Oh, Ben, that was beautiful. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. What would you say, Ben, is your vocation? So I'd, I think I'd, you know, if I if I got asked that as a question, like 
now would be a good example of me getting asked that as a question. I think I'd probably put it in um, in different, you know, kind of layer it up and say, well, first and foremost, I'm called to be a Christian. I'm called to love Jesus, to give my everything for him. Um, and then I'm called to be a husband um, to, you know, I am married. Um, so I'm, you know, so that's, you know, that's core. That's fundamental. That's my permanent state until death do us part. Um, and so that's the context within which that journey of holiness is really being worked out. Um, and then because I'm a husband, I'm also a father. Um, so I've got three little girls um, who are all amazing, obviously. But, you know, I would say that I'm their dad. Um, and, <laughs> and so I'm called to be a father. Um, and then after that kind of that core uh, familial um, part of my vocation, then I'm part of a community. So I'm part of um, the Wellspring community. Um, and then, you know, and within that, then we have, you know, a particular calling as a community, you know, real you know, charism or gift of you know, hospitality, particularly working with young adults and really helping them to ask questions about, well, you know, where am I going? What's the purpose of my life? Actually helping them to explore what is my vocation, really, in its deepest form. Excellent, excellent. Oh, I've got so many more questions. <laughs> You're just like bringing up more. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, so what do you think are the different vocations that men can have? I know you've touched on some of them, but oh, it's a quiz time. Can you name them off? <laughs> well, uh, okay. So I guess obviously there's the married vocation. Um, there is the priestly vocation. So you could become a Dalsim priest. Uh, you could join a religious order, um, so join a religious community, um, or equally you could join a, a priestly order. Um, then, oh gosh, I guess you could become a consecrated single, so you know, up living under the bishop. Um, you could become a deacon. Uh, mm, <laughs> those are the state of life vacations. And then I suppose you could argue anything else as long as it's good, true and beautiful, um, could be a calling from God. So the call, the call to be a doctor, the call to be a lawyer, the call to be a cleaner, the call to be a barista. I mean, yeah, all of these different things could be um, could be specific callings um, that God places upon an individual, invites them to step into um, in a moment. I love this idea of God. It, it... You're making vocations very much seem like a discussion with God, like this conversation you're calling me to be. What was, I think I'm skipping ahead on my, my question, uh, so, but, but <laughs> how, how did you, well, no, let's, let's go back because I was like, oh no, this is a good, no, no, it is the right question. Yeah, uh, yeah. What discernment did you do? So we've got you being part of a community and you're being, you're, you're married. What discernment did you, like, I guess it'd be the first question is your wife. How how did you know that you were meant to be married? David? Yeah. Oh, I hope there's a lot well, of that's a whole, story. That's a whole story. <laughs> I mean, I could talk for ages about that one. Um, but it's an interesting, it's, it's a good question because, um, you know, I I actually spent a number of years to say in the priesthood. Um, I didn't go to seminary, but I had this interesting experience whereby I knew I knew that I had to ask this question and I really didn't want to ask it. <laughs> it was a really uncomfortable question because I didn't want to celebrate vacation. And I remember this, I remember I kind of put it to bed and convinced myself 
no, 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 that's not for me. Um, and um, and put it to bed. And about two years later, I remember it was around, it was, it was Easter um, and it was coming up to Easter. And there was this moment of, I've got to ask this question. I really haven't given, I haven't given God a good answer on this one. He's let it lie dormant. Um, and in the end, I had this, ex this extraordinary, I mean, it's definitely grace, um, but this extraordinary moment where I was able to make this prayer and say to him, um, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I will do it and I will be happy in it. Um, and it was only after I'd done that, then, you know, within about two or three months, he'd made it perfectly clear that he didn't want me to be a priest. <laughs> what he did want is he wanted my yes. He wanted me, you know, just like our lady, you know, when, you know, when the angel appears to her and she says, let it be done unto me according to your word. So likewise, you know, the Lord wanted me to give him my yes. And then I, I don't know, then that changed my relationship with him. And I suppose that then gave me the freedom that I needed to be able to then enter into marriage when the time was right. And um, so you know, how I ended up with my wife was, uh, like I said, is a long story. But in short, we've known each other for a number of years um, already just as sort of distant friends. And um, and she <laughs> and I asked her out um, after she'd moved down to Brighton and um, and she had a she had had a very strong experience um, let's say when we first met um, and so which I hadn't had but she thought oh I think I'm probably going to marry him this was 10 years previous and um, and so when I asked her out she told me afterwards that um, for her her saying yes to going out on a date with me which for me was just let's go for dinner and see what happens was almost her having to say yes to marrying me <laughs> so it's a yeah but like I said there's a whole there's a whole great story um, around that but really you know again God's hand I'm um, just on it and you know, the fact that I'd known her for 10 years previous and it had just never seemed right there was a time where I was discerning priesthood and I, you know, was she interested in me? Was she not? But, you know, I'm just sending a celebrate vacation, so kind of back off, or, you know, all of this. But, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's great. All in one's the, the timeline is God's timeline, and it worked out perfectly. Oh, Yeah. I will be honest with you. When uh, the first day I met my husband, uh, I knew, I was like, this is a man I'm going to marry as well. So and and he, he will tell you, yes, I fell in love with her the moment I met her. But, like, I knew, like, nope, this is... A Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, so we, maybe it's a women thing. Like, oh, we know. We maybe know. it's maybe it's what Pope Francis refers to as the feminine genius. Oh, <laughs> brilliant, very, very nicely put. I hope your wife listens to this show, so she'll be like, oh yes, yes, I'll take that compliment. Yeah, she'll probably she'll probably listen and then say, what? Why are you talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she wouldn't. <laughs> it's all about life. All right, so we've talked a little bit about you being a part of a community, and I am going to be honest, Ben, I know very little about Wellspring mm. community, but I love the pictures on the website, and I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> Tell me about Wellspring. Um, so we're a, uh, we're a, canonically, we're a private association of the faithful, so we're under the bishop. Um, we were set up 15 years ago, and there was a... There was a group of us who grew who grew up together and um, going to Worth Abbey. Um, so that's just a Benedictine monastery in Sussex. And there was a big lay community there um, 
sort of during the 60s, 70s, 80s, and sort of even into the 90s as well, um, which is now independent, which is the lay community of St. Benedict. But we grew up in that context. And, um, you know, and what was interesting was that for a number of us um, who, who are a similar age, and um, we kind of all went a little bit away from the church. And um, but then when we were at university in different places in the country, people started having conversions. <laughs> and um, and so the then spirit we, moves, Ben. It well, moves. yeah, definitely. He certainly does. And um, and so then and so then we started to come back together and we're going, OK, so what's this about? Maybe there is something in this thing that our parents were bringing us to. And we kind of rediscovered um, the the beauty and the depth, particularly of Lexio Divina. Um, so that's just spending time with the scripture and um, allowing God's word to speak to your heart um, and really asking, well, what what is this word saying to me today? Um, and really just you know, really spending that time with with the word and then sharing that together. Um, and we made this we made this commitment. There was a group of us. We said we had a retreat one summer at Worth and we said, OK, we're going to read the gospel every day for the next 12 months. Um, as a bare minimum, and preferably do Lexi on it every day. And I think out of that 12 months, there was only three days that I missed. Um, and we came back again the following year. And, you know, a lot had changed for a lot of people over that period of time. And I remember I was then getting towards the end of my, I think I was in my third year, I did a four-year degree. And um, and a friend of mine, um, Joe, who's the founder of the community, who's the founder of Wellspring, and um, she said to me, oh, I've got this idea. Um, would you be interested? And without really asking too many questions, I just said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> and she said to me later that she had to really hold herself back from saying, well, don't you want me to explain more about it? <laughs> and so and so after after um, I'd finished my studies, myself, Joe, and then two others, and um, we moved down to Brighton, moved into a house that was rented by the parish, um, started praying morning, midday and evening prayer together and um and started ministering to young adults um through the parish we were already running retreats at worth for young adults um and so then we you know we started doing sunday lunches for them just you know, grabbing them after church and inviting them into our house and uh, a weekly group called deep waters and um, which has been going for 15 years you know it continued through various people and various members um living in the house in the in the now community houses and um, and so now as a community, we've grown. There are and um, there are three families. So people who have either you know, we set up a um, something called the formation and mission year where people come and spend one or possibly two years uh, living um, in the community, receiving formation and um, having space to pray, to live um, and to really ask questions about well, where am I going with the rest of my life? And uh, some people stayed in the community. Others have gone off and joined um, some religious orders. You know, there are a number of people who have gone and joined um, Dominicans, um, a enclosed Benedictine, um, and then lots have gone on and got married and things like that. And then those who have stayed, and uh, we've now got three families in the in the community. Um, there's a there's another sort of longer term member um, who's a single woman, um, sorry, in relationship, not yet married, and uh, and then. Excitingly, um, Joe, um, and who is the who's the founder of the community, and then another uh, woman have just gone to Heining, um, which is a Bernardine um, convent, um, in order to do an novitiate 
potentially with the view to establishing consecrated life um, within Wellspring. So it will be a community um, similar to many of the new ecclesial movements on the continent, so Shemin Nef or Emmanuel, um, where there are multiple states of life. So where you've actually got this shared, I suppose, this shared spirituality, these shared charisms, but you've got both lay um, and consecrated and um, within the same community. Does that mean they would be ordained, they'd be sisters, mm -hmm. but instead yeah. of being in a community of sisters, they would be with you guys? Yes. I mean, they would be, they would be, if you like, another, just like a family is its own unit, they would be a community of sisters, but within the Wellspring, uh, yeah, within the Wellspring community. Amazing. Ben, I'm going to tell you a secret. I, uh, like this is all mind blowing <laughs> because I, as I grew up, it was basically you're a nun or you're a priest or you're a wife or, and this is all like, oh, you've made this hybrid model. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, it's, okay, is we one of the good ways to think about it um, is you know it's not a it's not a hybrid in the sense of merging the different states of life. Um, but it's what it is, is it's like a microcosm or a microcosm of uh, or a, a snapshot of the church, but in a small in a small way. If you see what I mean? Do, um, do. Yeah. So it's, you, you can see you can see how these different states make help to make sense of each other. I mean, you know, there's a tension, but they also speak into each other as well um, because they're so different. Uh, but yet they're the core of the, the human person. Um, yeah, there's there's this great there's this great dialogue that you can establish, um, which hopefully we'll be able to establish in the years to come. Oh, fingers crossed! Praying, praying. This is Radio Maria, and this is Vocations, allowing God's word to speak to your heart, and let that lead you. That is discernment. That is discernment. And Ben Gray from the Wellspring Community in Brighton has been sharing with us all about that discernment, vocations, and also how important the Lectio Divina is. We at Radio Maria also broadcast each week a Lectio Divina and a contemplative prayer presented by Margaret Mary McFadden. Do tune in for those. They are lovely listen to what Ben is talking about. All right, let's get back to Ben. Would there be similar characteristics to the people that usually join your community? Uh, what do you mean by characteristics as in sort of personality types? Or uh, sort of, sort I guess of charisms. You used that term earlier and I, I was like, oh, I like that word. Is there some <laughs> charisms or because this isn't I mean, when they I mean, I guess young is one mm -hmm. one start, uh, but like that. Yeah, um, good question. Right. So I suppose. What do we one good way to think about it is probably that when people when people come into contact with a community well no take a step back from that actually uh, god has created each person uniquely and has you know, has placed a particular call a particular vocation upon their life a way to live 
um, which is completely unique. And yet he calls us to be in communion with other people. And so we come into contact with all sorts of different people. And sometimes what you find is, and you can only really describe this on an intuitive level, and there is a resonance. There is a resonance in your, in your spirit between, you know, with this person. And so what we find is that people will come and spend time with the community, um, whether that's they're coming into our formation and mission year um, or into our young adults house share, um, or whether they're engaged, you know, whether we're coming into contact with them through ministry. Um, and some people will um, come and they will receive for a time and a season, um, and then they will move on. And there are others for whom there is a deeper resonance. And I think, you know, what do we see in that deeper resonance? They're the ones for whom often there is this longer term call. And in that deeper resonance, I think what we see um, is often there is a real there is a real heart for evangelization. Um, you know, there is a heart to there is a desire to and um, to live out the Christian life um, in a way that is that is deep and not just you know it's not chalet. Um, it's not just tokenistic. It's I want to give my all to this. Um, and I really want to seek union with God. And I really want to seek union with other people. Um, and I really want to be involved in, if you like, the overflow um, of that union with God and that union with other people, um, which is the love of neighbour, which is the, you know, the sharing um, of the good news um, of Jesus. And, and particularly for our community, um, that really comes through hospitality. Um, and in part, that's the welcoming into the home or welcoming into into a space and creating that welcoming space and engaging. And then I think I think within the Benedictine um, tradition, really, you know, the, the opening word of the rule of St. Benedict is listen. Um, and, and I think listening is an extraordinary form of hospitality as well, to be able to listen deeply to a person and to really listen to what they're saying not what you think they're saying, um, to create that space of welcome, um, not just physically, but sort of internally. So you create that space within yourself so that you can welcome someone in. And that space that you've got within you is really the space where, where Christ dwells. So every time we pray, uh, we're, you know, we're inviting, we're allowing you know, Christ to dwell in us, you know, asking him to be more and more present. And so then that creates a space of welcome internally, which you can then invite other people into. And so through their encounter with you, they can encounter Jesus, whether he's mentioned in the conversation or not. Um, so I think so I think there's a you know the hospitality, the deep listening. Um, you, I think that you know those are sort of two of the two of the key things: um, the union with God, the union with others. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the characteristics or charisms or, or whatever whatever word we choose to use. They're all good. They're all good. <laughs> so let's talk about this community life. So you go and you all live in one house or one area. How does that work with the families? Yeah, so we all live in one area. So we're all in um, Brighton or the immediate vicinity. Um, and so families live in their own houses. Um, and then we've got um, we've got two uh, main community houses, which are just in the centre of town, uh, which are just next to um, the, one of the Catholic churches. Um, and. Yeah, and so that's where our formation and mission members live. Um, and that's where until until they went to Heining, that's where Joe and Mary Ann were based as well. And so what you have then is um, in the common life houses. So these are the ones in town. Um, is a 
you know, what would what what looks um, like a, you know, a a quasi monastic um, life. So you've got the morning, midday, evening prayer. There are times of personal prayer, times of silence in the house, shared meals, um, and then people are engaged in um, you know, ongoing formation. They're engaged in you know, work with young adults ministry, um, various things like that. And then those who are in the families, um, there are a couple of different different shapes um, because with the laity there is always a greater diversity of expression um, and so and so there are a couple of different shapes so for example in with my family and um, both myself and my wife are members of the community um, but there's one family where the wife is a member of the community but the husband isn't um, and she works for the community just as I work for the community and then there are common commitments as well um, that everybody has so you know, among you know, for the families, for example, everybody will try to um, have a daily lexio, pray at least one part of the divine office, so morning, midday, evening prayer, or or night prayer. We have an annual community retreat. We have monthly formation days. Um, there really is, you know, it's a really, it, it really gives some structure um, to to the spiritual life and to particularly to ongoing formation. Do you know what? That's another one to add into the characteristics. It's a desire for ongoing formation. And I think yes, that's one of the key yeah. things that really sets sets the new movements apart. Um, that often, you know, that the new movements are really committed to that ongoing formation, that those ongoing journeys. But that now was that, back a question. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. Now you said there were so, uh, certain works that you do. So, I for you, for example, uh, what is your job amongst the community? Uh, so I'm currently the leader of the community. Oh, I didn't um, know that, Ben. Oh, I've got the leader on. Oh, you didn't say it. You're all like, oh, I'm a nice, humble guy. Oh, there you go. I've got the leader. Wellspring. Okay. All right. Sorry, sorry. Go for it. Go for it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I do everything that a leader does. <laughs> and I think, you know, and that, I mean, for me, that's things like this, radio interviews, a nice, you know, a nice break in the middle of administrative uh, piles of you know and so then different people have different roles so for example um there is one of our one of our community members um heads up the um catholic chaplaincy team for um brighton and sussex universities um so the bishop asked us as a community to take on uh, the running of the chaplaincy a couple of years ago so we do that um, in collaboration with uh, one of the monks from Worth Abbey, so he's part of the team. Um, and then, I mean, other people um, have particular have had particular roles um, in young adults ministry. Um, so, as I said, particularly a young adults ministry in the parish or running retreats at Worth. And equally, then we have all the all the in, in inverted commas boring roles. So, bursa, somebody looks after the finances and all the legal stuff. Um, and then everybody is involved in formation in some way. And um, so everybody you know, delivers formation on different topics um, for different, you know, for different reasons. So, yeah, I think those are that's probably the, the core work, I would suggest. And then as a community, if I read it correctly, do you you with the incomes that you guys make from the different areas, you pull it together and so in a way that's another financial community too is that correct am mm -hmm. I 
Yes, yes. So, um, I mean, our financial models have been developing recently. It's not it's not quite so neat as um, the early community and acts where they held all things in common and gave to each according to need, which is where we started. Um, and we've had and we've had that as our way of doing it. And then and then gradually we've realized, particularly for families, those who are in the common life um, houses, um, they they still live that they pool and give to each according to need. Um, but what we've discovered is that with families, it doesn't work. It doesn't work quite as simply. Um, certainly not in the in the setup that we've got here. So uh, in this country, I mean. Um, so yes, yeah, so there is a financial communion that goes on. So everybody either pools um, or tithes to the community. I like the idea of of tithing uh, because similar to attending a parish, you usually tithe, and this way it just becomes. Uh, like a more tight knit parish. Does that mean? Do you tithe also? Does that mean you also give to the parish as well? So, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, give to the local parish and other. And what we always try and do is, as a community, and um, we try and tithe our income. If you see what I mean. Well, I mean some of uh, a certain proportion of it. And so we give to um, other charities who do works that we think are valuable, but we're not. You know, we ourselves are not called to. This is Radio Maria, and this is Vocations. Time to ask the really hard questions. Does anyone have a, a charism for doing the laundry? <laughs> yeah, the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> what have been some of the blessings that you've experienced being part of Wellspring? So I think... I think actually the just that oh my goodness I don't even know where to start with that question <laughs> it's really difficult to do it's, I think it's a really difficult question to answer and the reason I think it's difficult to answer is because I don't know what my life would look like if I wasn't part of Wellspring so in that sense I could say well everything that I have I have experienced as part of as part of that because we, we founded the community 15 years ago um, I've been part of that community, I've been part of the community basically my whole life since I left university. Um, and I taught, you know, I taught, in, I, I qualified as a teacher and, and taught in school, I have taught in schools up until, up until last year. And, and then, and then Katie and I got married about eight years ago. So I just don't, I don't know what my life would look like without it. Um, so, so in that sense, I can, I could imagine that particularly things like ongoing formation um, and the you know, just the growth that comes from that that living living closer with other people than you would than you would otherwise be doing in a regular parish you know, that tussle the you know, you're trying to work things out together I think for us there's been a real challenge of trying to translate the the wisdom of the Benedictine tradition into firstly an urban environment with lay people, then you're trying to translate the wisdom of the Benedictine tradition into family life without, you know, doing things which are just weird and aren't compatible with with what with the nature of the family. So I think the whole time, the whole experience has just been has been one of um, of one of growth, 
of of working things out of of stepping stepping forward in this way or that way and perhaps i perhaps also if i would say one of the greatest blessings is a sense of dependence on god i think that would probably be the if i had to name one particular thing because everything has been so tentative we're just walking this new path we don't know what the next step looks like um, and yes there's and so you're having to do, rely on his providence not just providence financially but his providence in terms of wisdom of well, where to put the next foot um, or should we go this way or that way? Do we do this or that? Do we do we explore this avenue or that avenue? Um, yeah, so I think I think there is just a, a, it's all led to a deepening of, of trust um, and reliance, reliance upon God's providence. Which is definitely I believe that's a, that's a muscle that you've got to exercise and keep exercising. And if there's any way to get that, you've, you've made, you've, you've created a treadmill for yourself with this community to keep it going. And you're just getting better and better at it. And it'll become easier and easier as well. Mm. It's a nice, it's a nice image actually to think about it as a muscle um, that's exercised. Cause we often think about the will, you know, as a muscle, you know, the, con consistently making the choices for good. But actually, I hadn't really thought about it in terms of reliance on providence um, and you know, trusting in God. Um, yeah, I mean, it's faith, isn't it, really? <laughs> to believe and to trust. <laughs> okay, we've talked about the blessings. Now to the hardships. I can only imagine. Uh, I've, we've heard, uh, maybe on this show, we've heard about issues of uh, just letting having faith that God will provide or having faith that you're making the right decision. What have been some of the challenges that you or the community has faced? Well, I think I could talk about these for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> not because it's been, not because things have been terrible, just because in a sense, everything has been a challenge. Like I said, the, the, you know, the, trans, the constant, the constant dialogue that we're having with the Benedictine tradition um, so, you know, through books, through formation, um, through our conversations with um, with monastics, you know, that constant dialogue is a challenge because because you're having to constantly reevaluate yourself, your position, you know, the way that we're living. You're in this continuous state of flux, I think, continuous state of growth, you could say, which is a good thing. But it means that sometimes it gets pretty tiring, <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine. And then also, like I said before, hopefully set, you know, in the future, we'll be able to establish a fruitful dialogue um, between lay um, and consecrated. But there has been within the community, um, those who, who feel called to consecrated life, you know, in a sense, are, are, are moving in one direction. And then those who are, who are called to family and lay life are moving in a different direction. And by that, I don't mean they're opposite directions because they're definitely not opposite directions. Um, but they are walking, we're walking different paths, but we're walking these different paths within the same community. So how do you allow for that? How do you create the opportunities for that diversity, but at the same time maintain a unity? Um, and then equally amongst the, uh, on the lay side, um, there would naturally be a diversity of expression or naturally be a greater diversity of expression of a particular charism or spirituality within the laity because every family will be unique. So how do you do that whilst maintaining a unity? So, you know, there's, there's really, you know, those are, that's one of the, 
the big things, I think, for us, the big challenges. And then, of course, you've got your day-to-day ones. Somebody has said something in the wrong tone of voice, and it's really grated on you. So what do you do? <laughs> and just those mundane um, day-to-day in, um, you know, interactions with other people. But I think what's been really good is that um, with those, you know that other people are on the same page. They're trying to go in the same direction, even if what they've just said or the way they've just said it has, you know, has, has grated on you. So you can have a conversation. So yeah, that's it's far easier than when something like that occurs in the workplace, for example. And you have no idea. You, you can't really necessarily have a conversation with with that individual because you're just not in that type of um, friendship or relationship with them. It's almost like a, a, a family. <laughs> well, it is a family. It is a family in a way, and all the same things. Uh, we, I've definitely heard the similar issues with uh, communities of sisters uh, mm-hmm. of consecrated life. They have the same thing. He said or she said that in that tone, and we're having to figure it out. So yeah, just like you get with your husband or your wife, <laughs> or your child, or your child you by that. Ben, where do you see the future of Wellspring? That is a big, <laughs> a big question. <laughs> well, the reason the reason I'm hesitating is because on some level I'm not entirely certain. Um, because it's not like it's not like a vision that has been cast and we're you know forty percent of the way through this vision uh, coming to its fulfilment. It's it's far more like there are a series of intuitions and we're not quite sure how these intuitions will play out or what things will look like. So, you know, consecrated life within the community being a good example of of that. It may happen, it may not. There's an intuition that it will, um, but it will be dependent upon the free choice, discernment, et cetera, of the individuals. Um, Likewise, it feels like uh, you know, the intuition is that we will continue to work with young adults, and that's you know, that's part of our part of our core charism and core identity. Um, but precisely what that will look like, or how that will how that will manifest in ten or fifteen years' time, I don't really know. So I think I think there is this there is this sense in which that's a it's actually a very difficult question to answer and um, because we are so embryonic we're, we're only we're only 15 years old and in the life of the church that's you know you're barely barely the first cell that is, the first cell is barely divided into two yet <laughs> um yeah there feels like there's there's a there's an intuition around that you know, there is obviously a commitment to formation. It feels like there's an intuition around um, the family as well, around the around the renewal of family life. Um, you know, the family is this is this. I think John Paul II talked about it as um, being the fundamental cell of society. You know, where the family goes, their society goes. And when we look back over the last sort of fifty or sixty years, we can see. 
where where the family has gone and sort of the decline and the challenge that the family that families really face and so there is there is this sense that there is this call to renewal of the family and with that there's something to do with education of children as well because that's the that after the you know for the spouses for the husband and wife after you know they're the call to um to sanctify to make holy the other there is the the call um to educate their children so that's mixed up in it as well um on the on the sort of the lay side of things um but everything is very everything is very tentative um i think everything is just emerging um so it's yeah so that's i think that's why it's such a difficult question to answer Oh, I've got a vision for you. So, um, so one of my, when discussing with some of my um, volunteers here at Radio Marie England about uh, lay communities, I would always get this bit of a jealous feeling to me. And I, I'm honest in saying it, it's jealousy and also naivety for not understanding communities and talking to you has enlightened me. But it was always, what's the point of it shouldn't they just be really helping the parish and mm-hmm. but what you've said i feel like there should be a wellspring community attached to every one parish in every town no, but hear me out because you're giving such a lovely example and teaching the young people in the parish you're also providing whatever services to the city for all the people that need that there and so and yet you're still able to serve each other as a community and and as your own families as a community. And that's something I think with the parishes without, so for example, uh, just a regular parish, there's so much issues with finding youth group leaders, catechists to teach, da 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 And the, for those parishes that don't have consecrated volunteers coming in to help, it's this massive hole. And people in the parish go about their own lives and come to Sunday Mass and then they leave. But it seems like with Wellspring, you've got this beautiful example of no, 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 no. Faith is more than just on a Sunday. It's a life that continues and continues. And I think that is almost, it's not new. It's just going back further enough where your faith was more part of your life. Yeah. So come to Cambridge in a couple of years so you can start your pair. I'll help you. I will be one of the families. <laughs> That'll be all good. Well, let me, let me come, down, come down to Brighton. and I, uh, <laughs> Don't drag. See, that's the thing. I'm like, oh, don't be selfish. Don't bring us all. And just spread it out. Spread it out so that it can grow. But that is a question um, I think would be really nice. And I think a lot of people listening might be like, oh, I do like this idea that Ben's been talking about. The process of setting up the community, is it, you're not a priest. Did you have to have uh, a consecrated person to latch on and go, yes, let's do this? Or was the bishop like, yes, this is a great idea. Let's go. Um, no, so no need for a consecrated or a priest to, to set up the community. Um, we, in the event, we, we've always kept close dialogue um, with the bishop um, and with the you know with the abbot of Worth and um, and and others and have always sought to put us very much to place ourselves within um, the structures of the church, not you know, not as something that's outside. And so then it was only, and so then eventually we received formal recognition uh, from the bishop and became a private um, association of the faithful. 
um, about I think it's five or six years ago. Um, yeah, but you don't need you don't need you can just do it. <laughs> just come together and start praying. I think that's the that's the fundamental thing. Come together, start praying, and start studying. Um, and, Amen. Amen. And then make that an overflow. Amen. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I love the idea that it is to take back. You don't. Laity has a place, and I think this is what is part of the newest uh, the, whether the Pope put out about how important it, it is for catechists and laity to really become a part of the church and take leadership roles. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And and I think the thing is the danger the danger with with that kind of invitation is a misunderstanding, which is, oh, leadership in the church, oh, that means I need to, I need to become a Eucharistic minister or I need to help with the um, First Communion preparation or you know, all, all these pre-existing roles. That's what leadership in the church means. When actually, it, you know, it, it's in no way confined to those pre-existing things. Um, it's all to be a leader in the church is to be actually following your vocation to take it back to where we started. Um, and for some people that would be establishing something completely new. And that's great because that's what God's calling you to do. He's not calling you to, to take up a, a role that already exists. Exactly. Exactly. Now for Wellspring, if this has all been interesting for our listeners, uh, what are some ways to discern if, if, uh, taking that first, I believe it's a one year or two year like uh, trial thing. Uh, what kind of things, how do you advise for them to go about that? What, so if they wanted to come and spend a year in formation and mission, how would they decide that? Yeah, yeah. What kind of discernment process is there? Yeah, so normally what we do is we will um, we'll have a conversation. So if someone's interested, they'll get in contact. We'll have a conversation with them. Just an initial one, because sometimes people get in touch with us thinking we're one thing. Uh, or looking for something completely different and then if they if it sounds as though something else is more suitable and we know of it then we'll signpost them in that direction uh, but we'll have a conversation um, uh, then normally people come and do an inside stay so come and stay with the community for about five days or so um, meet some people experience the life and things you know get a chance to um, engage in the ministry that we do um, and then they can put in a formal application. Um, and then after that, we, you know, we take references and have, you know, have some further conversations. Perhaps if it's necessary, they can come do another stay. But a lot of it is about conversation. It's just it's exploring together. It's OK when they're when they're with us um, for their inside stay, then it's a OK, well, what are you experiencing? How are you finding this? How are you finding that? Are you engaging with this? You're engaging with that. And then really the formation and mission year is then an opportunity to, to ask, the, ask those big questions as well of, of where am I going? You know, what is my purpose? How is God calling me? So I think, so I think what, what people are really invited into is, yes, there is a discernment about coming in, but then in a sense, you're entering into a process of formation and discernment. You place, place quite a lot of emphasis on uh, deepening the interior life. And so really trying to make a deep journey in prayer. So you put down deep roots, which then when you leave the structure, 
um, of the of the common life, um, your roots are still your roots have gone down deep enough that you know the the winds and the you know, the tides of day to day life don't don't shake them. Um, so yeah, so I think that's that's kind of how we help people to to discern, and it's a mutual discernment. You know, somebody might say to us, "Oh yeah, I feel completely cold," and we might be saying, oh, "We're not so certain," or you know, vice versa. We might be saying, "Yes, great, come and join us," and they're saying, mm, "Actually, now I've been to been to stay and met you all, mm, rather not. Thank you, goodbye." <laughs> Oh dear. And then what is the difference between um, the one year community and like a gap year or joining a Youth 2000 for uh, or Ignite or one of the different youth uh, initiatives in dioceses? I think what's really different is that is that we help people to go is that we help people to go on a really deep, as I said, a deep interior journey because we're drawing so much from the Benedictine tradition which places so much emphasis upon uh, the individual's relationship with God and really trying to move the, you know, well, allow the Holy Spirit to remove the blocks and to say, to just consistently give that yes, just like Our Lady, um, to say yes today and then to say yes again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And every time you're saying it, you're able to go a bit deeper. So what we're trying to do, what we're trying to help people to do is to make, a, is to enter into a really deep relationship with God. And the mission work is great. And, you know, but it's, it's very clear that that is secondary to the interior work and all of the formation um, is geared towards that as well. So typically we have formation along, well, five different tracks. So, and there'll be um, monastic formation. Um, so this is all about prayer, humility, um, sort of key virtues. Um, and then we have catechetics. You know, what does the church teach? Why does it teach it? So we spend time studying scripture and there's human formation as well. And um, so we really try and help people to engage with you know, perhaps some of the more modern psychometric tools of, you know, that help, help us to understand who we are, um, which is all about developing that virtue of humility. Um, and then there's mission formation as well. So actually, how do I write a talk? <laughs> That's the kind of thing that you would experience with um, on a mission team. You know, how do I write a talk? How do I lead worship? How do I um, do X, Y, and Z? I love it. I, Ben, I just want to, um, like I said, I think this is something just because looking more at, at the, the stuff you do with the parish, I just think that's, that is, uh, that's where we need to get back to with our cities and yeah, there you go. So bravo, that is a huge compliment. I don't know if it's a huge compliment, <laughs> little old me. It's giving you a huge compliment. Um, but it looks wonderful. There's lots of smiling faces on the website. So well done blurring out the sad one. <laughs> um, but I'm going to uh, ask, thank you, I'm going to thank you, Ben, for joining us here on Radio Maria. And uh, could we end this interview with a prayer? Yes, of course. I'm going to let, how about I let you lead it and then I'll close it out. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for all the good things that you give us, for the ways that you bless us, and all of the ways that you invite us uh, more and more deeply into relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you would um, bless us throughout this day, that you would bless um, all the listeners, and Jesus, that you would show your face to them, and that you would unblock their ears to hear you more clearly as you unblock all of our ears every day. 
so that we can respond to your call, not just your one-time call, um, but your constant call, um, drawing us ever more deeply um, into relationship with you in order that we might be loved and that we might become love. Thank you um, for your great love and for the call that you place on our life. Lord, I ask that you bless Ben, his wife, his family, and all of his community in Brighton. Uh, I thank God that you have brought this group together to bless all the people that they support, that they encourage, and whose faiths they help, faiths they help build and continue to form. I, I ask that you continue to guide them as they further grow and become who you want them to be and to continue being the people you want to be. I ask that you you bring them strength and confidence in your providence and, and that all that have listened to Ben today find comfort that in a way they too are on their own path of trusting in providence, trusting in the Lord and discerning their vocation. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Vocations. Next week will be our last episode and it will be live. I'm going to have Father Dominic White and Sister Rose Schilling here with me in the studio. But this is an opportunity for you to join in the conversation. I need your thoughts. You've been listening listening in for the last couple of weeks. And I need to know your thoughts on vocation. What does it mean to you? How do you discern your vocation? How did you know to go trust in the Lord, trust in His providence and continue on? Let us know here at Radio Maria. You can email us at info at radiomariaengland.uk. You can send us a text, leave a voicemail, or send a WhatsApp message through this number. 07520385010. We'll be sharing your messages We'll be sharing your messages live on the program and we'll also have the studio phone open so you can call in and be a part of the conversation. But Father Dominic, Sister Rose there, <laughs> me, you don't want to talk to me, but you'll want to ask them any questions that you may have about vocations, discernment, and perhaps how to trust in the Lord. Thanks for joining us on Radio Maria.